Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, are we ready to talk some football after getting out of the dentist's office? Yes, uh, clean bill of health is always the best uh, policy. Just, you know, get your cleaning, get out, don't have anything else necessary to happen. So as my dentist said, as I was leaving, he's like, well, your teeth aren't going to get in the way of you talking. So let's get to it. <laughs> let's do that. Any any dentist appointment that's a quick appointment is a good one, T. Frank. All right, let's, uh, let's get to it. Last week, we began a series... Uh, based on the articles you've been writing with Blue White Illustrated, essentially going position group by position group and saying whether you think that group will be better or worse this year versus last season. Last week we did cornerbacks and we did safeties. This week, let's hit the rest of the defense, starting with linebackers. And any conversation with linebackers anymore, I start with where we were a year ago before the season started and oh have things changed yeah yeah i i think you you look at the addition of really one player abdul carter which changed the everything uh, about the the linebacker position last year it is interesting where i i'm not saying it's a perfect fit right now because they have two players in Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter that can essentially play the same position and how they fit them together, how they use both of the, the those player skills. Um, you would love in an ideal world to have a guy that perfectly fits one position and perfectly fits another. Um, but it doesn't matter because they're good enough to play in a bunch of different locations and, and jobs and skill sets. So just the offseason, this whole offseason, I have just been waiting to find out how they're going to use Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs. That's that's been for the linebacker position. That's all I'm really interested in because everything else is going to work itself out after understanding that and what sort of new things Manny Diaz feels he can do with Carter and Jacobs now that he's had a full season with them to get to know them and to get to know their skills. On the surface, T. Frank, if you're starting the season at the linebacker unit with two players of the ability of Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs, you got to feel pretty good about things. As you said, going below the surface a little bit, it's how the pieces fit. You would even think one's weak side, one's the strong side, and you have a combo in the middle with uh, Kobe King and Tyler Elsden, and that's the perfect fit. That might be first and second down, but quite different on third down, right? Yeah, that's the biggest thing is what sort of sub packages and what sort of team by team uh, packages can they make up for these players to decide how they're going to use them best week to week. I think that's even part of the game plan where you can do some of that stuff with this uh, group of linebackers. And you make a good point that you you don't have anybody at that Sam linebacker position where you feel confident that you could say, okay, Curtis Jacobs is moving full-time to will and Abdul Carter's mo- moving full-time to the middle linebacker position. That's not going to happen. Dom DeLuca is a good player. He's a good rotational player. Tony Rojas, he has uh, emerged as somebody who's going to see the field this fall, but none of them have the starting capabilities. None of them have the, the kind of high end. This is an impact player 
that that Jacobs has and he's shown uh, throughout his career at that position. So I still think he's going to be the starter there. Um, but I also expect to see him a lot over on the other side, on the weak side of the uh, of the the defensive formation playing that will spot, because that's something that's really important to uh, the Penn State defense and to his career, kind of his next step in the NFL. All right, let's project then, T. Frank. We get to third down, and let's say it's not third and one, third and two. It's third and uh, long, long enough to be considered a passing down. Yeah. Now it's time to make the situational substitution. I want to have Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter in the game at that point. Yeah. How do I make that happen? <laughs> However you want. That's the thing is, I, you know, <laughs> Curtis Jacobs can play middle linebacker on third down. There's nothing. I mean, he's two, almost 240 pounds now. He's fast. He's smart. He can cover well. I think that might be the ideal situation because everyone might say, okay, Abdul Carter goes to the mic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he can do so much as that uh, kind of rover the will, whether he's a blitz player, a coverage player, or a, uh, uh, you know, whatever you want him to do, spy, however you want to use him, you can use him as kind of a free roam player. Uh, they call it sometimes in certain coverages, a hole defender, where he's playing kind of a free read the quarterback sort of situation. But but really, you can play him and Mike. So if you wanted him to be the quarterback spy, we saw Penn State do that last year, where as soon as the defensive line flushes the quarterback from the pocket, he can then go track them down and get sacks, pressures, and and force bad throws by the quarterback who's scrambling. So, really, it, it's as much about those two as it is about the whole defensive package. How many defensive linemen are going to be on the field? How many safeties are going to be on the field? Because that third down prowler package, it has the flexibility to put guys in positions to succeed based on their skills. But there's a lot of talent. Like, that's the whole point of this defense. There's so much talent. Manny Diaz was talking about this uh, during the spring with now that they've seen what Tig Brown did in this defense, not just being a coverage player, being a pass rusher, being everything in the defense. Everyone wants part of it. So you've got a lot of competition between positions for some of the same spots. So that's going to be another thing where we aren't going to know until we know. And that's one of the advantages of, of the talent level and Manny Diaz in his schemes and what he does uh, so well, which is creating these, uh, chaos packages. So how you use those two interchangeably for the most part, you know, Jacobs might not be as good of a pass rusher as Carter, but kind of like safeties, you can play either at either position, Will and Mike uh, in, in the third down situation. And it's just really what you want to do. So Curtis Jacobs, a better coverage defender, maybe in man coverages or in certain situations, he's playing in single coverage and, and you have Carter as a pass rusher. Like you can do whatever you want. That's the great flexibility of having the talent that they do um, that has the flexibility uh, to, to do whatever you want with them. Okay. T Frank, let's accept that Curtis Jacobs, Abdul Carter, two very good linebackers that you want on the field as much as possible. The reality is though, that Manny Diaz rotates a lot of people into the game. Let's talk about the rest of the linebackers. Let's start with the two guys we mentioned earlier in the middle, Tyler Elson and Kobe King. What do we expect from them? Anything different than we saw from them a year ago? I don't think so. Uh, I just, it's going to be the the horse race of who's ahead. You know, they, they were competing last season. 
Uh, and Elsden, the veteran between the two, took the majority of the snaps early in the season. And, you know, I don't have it offhand right now of like how that played out. But I know Kobe King saw the field more and more as the season went on. Elsden uh, was not available for spring practice. You know, you can read into that for whatever the myriad of reasons that might be. Um, but, you know, he should be good to go, I would expect, for fall camp. And that really is the question of of did Kobe King make up that ground from a mental perspective and from a uh, coverage perspective, not that Elsden was was great in coverage last year, but is he taking a step where he is now a guy that can play that? I don't think that other than size, because King Kobe King is massive, like he he looks like players uh, like if, if you were to go and, and look at the, the group of Penn State football players, he looks like their dad, like he's just got this like dad strength look about him um so he has that size but from an athletic perspective there isn't this gigantic delta i think from speed and uh lateral movement skills maybe he's better than elsden but he's not the fast i guess what i'm trying to say is he's also not the fastest guy in the world if you're building a a perfect lineup from athleticism standpoint this is where i think penze fans would move abdul carter to the mic position and put tony rojas on the field but there's other ways to be athletic and his, his, I think his initial step is good. His fluidity is good. Uh, it's just, you know, he's not a guy that's chasing from sideline to sideline. So he's got some skills, but they are, I would put them in the same bucket of talent um, as opposed to putting Kobe King with the, you know, the, the guys that are, we highlighted earlier as the, like the very, very talented players. So it's just an interesting m- mashup of, of, uh, talents and, and abilities. And for those two guys, I would expect, as you said, kind of the same thing that happened last year to happen this year. It's just the, the wild card is how much does Abdul, Abdul Carter get into that, that mix at the middle linebacker position. And that's been everyone's uh, question all off season. Everyone is excited about Tony Rojas. How do you get him into the lineup T Frank? You play him. <laughs> I, I, it's pretty straightforward. I, I see him as a guy that's going to play the, the Sam linebacker, the field linebacker. Um, early downs would be good for him. And then, you know, there are so many talented pass rushers on this defense. But we've mentioned before, former defensive end, explosive first step. Uh, I wouldn't say he was the most technically savvy defensive end I've ever watched in, in high school, but has rushed the passer before. So you've got another guy that can rush the passer. Is he a part of the equation on third downs eventually during, during the season? I, I don't know. I don't, I, I would not think so, but that's one of those things you can be excited about for the future with uh, him playing the, the linebacker position is he does bring that particular uh, experience to the table. But for the most part, he is going to cycle into the game with Jacobs and DeLuca at the Sam position. And I, I don't know that there's uh, a lot of depth and, and nuance behind that because he just needs to learn the position. He needs to learn how to play in space. He did well for a freshman and, and better than I think we expected in the spring. But there's a there's a difference between surprising us and being happy with that and then surprising us and he's pushing for a starting job. I, I wouldn't expect that this year. I think he's pushing for burning his red shirt and being a part of that three-player cycle that we saw last year, which included Sutherland, Jacobs, and DeLuca. I, I think a similar situation could have happen there with him getting experience, but that's I, I don't think he's pushing anyone out of the lineup. As we learned from Manny Diaz, though, he plays a lot of guys. Just getting into the rotation, you'll get a good number of snaps. Yeah. Final minute, are the linebackers going to be better or worse than they were last season? 
Yeah, they'll be better for sure. One area that so there's a, so many different things that linebackers do, right? They they play coverage, they can pass rush, especially Manny Diaz's defense. Like they can they can pass rush a lot. So how and why they affect the game is what I'm interested in. So they're going to be better overall unit better. That's that part. But then how are they better? Abdul Carter, I think he his instincts, kind of like Micah Parsons, his instincts and coverage need to improve. Um, he had some mental mistakes last year. Eliminating the mental mistakes is something I expect to happen. But then what is he as a coverage linebacker? Is he more of that Micah Parsons hybrid pass rusher or is he a pure linebacker that can also rush the passer? And then Curtis Jacobs, can he play with more physicality through contact in the box? Can he be a, a guy uh, out in space that does a lot of things that helps you out? So it's just the different nuances of how each player gets better that'll tell that story. Very good, T. Frank. That's it for quarter number one. Stick around. Quarter two, we're going to look at the defensive ends. Stay tuned for that. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante. He is T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, we are going along with your Blue White Illustrated series of articles where you talk about each position group for Penn State and are they better or worse. Last week, of course, we did cornerbacks and safeties. Segment number one, we did linebackers. Now it's time for defensive ends. And what's interesting as I look at it, T. Frank, we mentioned this about linebackers and where we were a year ago with linebackers and yeah. Everything was kind of up in the air, was a question mark. You could kind of say the same thing about defensive ends going into last season, where you had Adisa Isaac coming back from injury. Chop Robinson was transfer portal from Maryland, didn't know what you were getting there and a change of positions. And we had this really interesting true freshman named Deny Dennis Sutton coming in. But again, true freshman didn't know what we were going to get there 
it seemed like every question last year with defensive ends came out with a positive answer. Yeah, that's one of those rare situations. I, I always call it the if game. You know, growing up a Bills fan, it's like, okay, <laughs> if the offensive line is better, or if this guy works out, or if this rookie's really good, then maybe they'll play off wild card. No, the problem was like, I learned early on that you can't count all of the ifs as positives. Like that is not how reality works. That's not how the percentages or any of this stuff works. Um, quality of the program aside, because the 2000s Buffalo Bills versus the Penn State Nittany Lions under James Franklin, vastly different quality of program. Penn State much better. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of a rare thing, as you point out, to have all of your ifs work out in your favor. Um and that was a huge benefit for Penn State. Remember, Chop Robinson was a late portal addition. If if that had not gone their way, they might have uh, had to play Denai Dennis Sutton as a starter, or maybe you know uh, Nick Tarburton. Zariah Fisher was injured last year. If we even go that deep, Zariah Fisher came out and uh, played after a bad injury in the spring. I believe he tore his ACL and played by the end of the football season. So they had a lot of not. I don't call them miracles. That one is borderline miracle, but everything else of like all the positives moved in their favor. Not only, not only did they get chop Robinson, but he came in and fit the system well and was a pass rushing specialist. So it, it and put up one of the best pass rushing performances for Penn state in the last, you know, 10 years of uh, probably since Carl Nassib, Arnold Abikiti, those three seasons stand out to me as like the best pass rushing seasons under James Franklin. Let's look at that top three because it's very interesting. Every question mark among those three came out as a positive, T. Frank. And I think that we could actually expect more from each one of them, or at least we have reason to. Chop Robinson was exceptional, but he's now had the offseason with the program, and he's bigger. Denying Dennis Sutton, really good, but was a true freshman. You expect improvement from true freshman to sophomore. And Adisa Isaac is another year removed from injury. Am I just too optimistic there and thinking we might get even better from those three guys? Yeah. So this is the underlying uh, caveat to the whole better or worse series is that shocker. All of these during June and July, these are positive projections where we expect all these guys to get better. And genuinely, the talent is is improving. It's young. And that's kind of the the nature and, and the, the makeup and the profile of this team is a lot of young guys on the ascent. Um, but injury is going to determine a lot of this. You mentioned Abdul Carter. I'm sorry, you, Adisa Isaac and and his injury a couple years ago, which Probably at that point, we would expect him to take a step, but he got injured. So that's a variable for all of this. But yes, uh, I would expect all those guys to be better um, and to produce better. He here's one thing about last year, too. It could be Chop Robinson puts in the same performance and it looks better because last season he got five sacks, according to PFF. And they they chart sacks a little bit differently. They don't do half sacks. So just these numbers, take them for what they are. But he got nine hits on the quarterback. So just as the ball is released or as the ball is being released, he hit the quarterback. Let's say luck is a part of that. And he's unlucky last year where he only got five sacks. What if next year it's nine or 10 and you know, he has six quarterback hits or whatever from a, from a statistical standpoint, everyone loves sacks, right? So that's the, the highlight of a pass rusher. Nothing changes. He's just getting sacks and that, that it changes the, 
nature of the defense as well. Puts him in better situations. He's producing all, all of that stuff has a knock on effect, a cascading effect of productivity. Um, not to mention the fact that, I mean, Vanover and Zariah Fisher and Denine Dennis Sutton are supplementing these top two guys who are already good as well. So the number of pass rushers that they have is deep. So if there's one position, even worst case scenario, you have a guy like Chop Robinson who has to miss part of the season. Denine Dennis Sutton has similar talent in a different way. Adisa Isaac has similar pass rushing skills in a different way. They, in this position, it's one of the few that you could say Penn State could replace like for like with borderline All-American talent. Like, it is that deep and talented. Let's talk for a second about Denai Dennis Sutton, who, as a freshman, he got on the field and played well. And am I just too optimistic when I watch no. him in the blue-white guy game and say, he looks unblockable? I, I'm also that optimistic based on that. Now, let's, let's do a comparative thing. Let's do um, freshman heading into... The spring that went up against each other in the blue-white game. Drew Shelton and Denine Dennis Sutton. Drew Shelton played well last year for a freshman uh, left tackle. And we expect him to take that step to be even better this year, given that uh, Sean Clifford and the run game and a lot of stuff protected him last year from some of his bigger mental mistakes and some of his bigger physical mistakes. We expect him to get better. But what we saw in the blue-white game was Denine Dennis Sutton was definitely better. You know, in that situation, he has done that progression he has made that transition from here's a guy who has a couple of notable flaws that we've talked about before he's improved on those flaws and now his game is translating to a dominant performance against a similar player with a similar talent career trajectory he's ahead of that so just trying to to find specific guideposts of how these guys have improved Denied in a sudden look like a different football player during the blue white game. Drew Shelton looked like a similar football player to what he was before. So yes, another guy, I don't know where all the reps are coming from, but he got better and he deserves to be a part of the, the, the starting lineup. James Franklin said after the game, talking about the competition between the blue white the blue and the white squad that he views denied Dennis Sutton as a starter and he was on the white team. So like, that's how deep they are at defensive end and how talented they are that they have these guys who are putting up, notice noticeable progression in their career and are young and have tons of talent the good news though when if your problem is you have too much talent that's not a problem that's a nice exactly. one to have but also with manny diaz's defense i've been saying essentially there's 20 starters on defense the way they rotate players into the game so i i say there's at least th three starters at defensive end but let's talk about the depth. You mentioned a couple of these names. Zariah Fisher coming off injury. There's also Smith Vilbert. There's also Amin Vanover. Mm -hmm. Pretty talented players. I, how do you get them in the game, and what do they have to offer? So that's, well, the, the easiest way to get everybody into the game is to put up a lot of points. <laughs> And to make uh, the margin of victory in the third quarter be so apparent that you can then put in your reserves. But these are guys that deserve playing time during, you know, the the contest, the actual contest that they're that you're seeing on, uh, you know, the first and second quarter. I don't know, like I, not to not to evade the question. I genuinely been thinking about this all offseason. How do you take these guys off the field when they're as good as they are? 
and give playing time to young players that deserve it, that you want to be around when Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac go to the NFL next year so that you don't lose that depth to the transfer portal or frustration or things like that. So I, I, I you have to get them involved, not for the threat of the transfer portal, but from the, the value of their play. And it's just another situation where defensive uh, or offensive coordinators are going to have to realize Penn State can do hockey lines where a fresh guy is coming at the, the, the left tackle all game long. Because if you need to bring out Adisa Isaac and put in a mean Vanover, the the it's not that big of a drop off. I, I would say that it's not a drop off. So you you just play those guys in the, the kind of the same way you look at the running back position with, you know, is it two series to one for a guy or is it a one to one? Every other series you're bringing in a, a player who is is just as talented. It's a great problem for Penn State to have. Or you could bring in a deny Dennis Sutton and you might even get better by bringing yeah. in the backup. Which yeah. leads to, uh, T. Frank, something you've talked about before is, okay, now, like with linebackers, when you get third and long, a passing situation, could you put all three of those top defensive ends in the game at the same time? Yeah, and I would I would throw Amin Vanover in there as well. I think he's up to like 266 pounds. He might be 270 by the time the season starts. I don't know exactly where he is in that development, but in just in general, in terms of he was a guy that started as a defensive tackle, so he's got inside-outside versatility. Deny Dennis Sutton, 258, 260 pounds, length, power, great use of his hands. Who are you taking off the field? Because we talked about Abdul Carter led the team with eight sacks last year. And he rushed 85 times, according to PFF. So like barely got after the quarterback and found eight sacks. He's going to be rushing the passer. You've got denied in a sudden. You got your defensive ends. And Zane Durant, by the way, uh, is a part of this conversation as well. Maybe other guys, Hakeem Beeman hasn't really ever, despite his athletic skills, he hasn't been a hyper-productive defensive tackle the way you might expect. But even Jordan Vandenberg is quick. We see the power that he has, the explosiveness. Maybe the arm length makes him not as good of a pass rusher. But you've got options on the inside that have the profile of aggressive pass rushing defensive tackles. It's not like they have a bunch of plodding uh, ice cream cones out there uh, that are that are clogging up the middle. They've got a lot of active guys. I mean, you mentioned Kaziah Izzard, who's, who's another guy that is an aggressive uh, penetrating defensive tackle so you've got a a wide list of guys and veterans that should see the field on third down i don't know how they're going to do it i genuinely this is where when we talk about position battles and competition during camp we talk about like you know who's going to be the starting corner but these sub packages where you make this impact these are also position battles who's going to be on the field that and penn state has a great opportunity there 30 seconds left better or worse better Better, better, better. I expect elite, uh, country-leading things from the Penn State defensive end room. I think that that's pretty clear this year. Didn't even need the full 30 seconds, T. Frank. Very good. You started to mention defensive tackles. We'll talk about them in quarter four. But first, in quarter three, we're going to take your questions, and we're going to ask T. Frank. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hockensmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. I'm Jim. He's T. Frank. Quarter three always means the same thing. It's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions Give them to T. Frank. He gives you the perfect answer. And at the end of the segment, he'll decide which question was the best. You win the prize pack from our good friends at 409 Tailgate Club. And if you want to send in a question for T. Frank, just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask T. Frank tab there. Hit that. Send in your question. Who knows? You might be the winner next week. Ready for your questions, T. Frank? Yes, and I'm glad that you uh, paid, you know, you drew attention to my perfectness, my <laughs> unbelievable perfection. I've never misunderstood a question and answered it completely wrong because I didn't understand the prompt. That's never happened on the show. Not one single time. Never. And I suspect it never, it never will, T. Frank, because no. we do expect perfection from you. Let's start with well, Mike. Now that's in- pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with Mike and Carlisle. Mike says, T. Frank, I know you're very high on King Mac and his abilities and potential future at safety. My question is, what is 10-6 speed in the 100? Would he not possess the skills and traits to be a college quarter cornerback? I know high-level speed doesn't translate to high-level quickness. What would keep him from playing cornerback? Does he lack the quickness or maybe he doesn't have the hips and feet for this ideal position. No, first off, Mike is plugged in and Mike is a, is a guy that is following recruiting at a high level. Uh, so impressive question with a lot of detail and really just seeing him do it. I, I don't think he, I haven't seen him in a lot of single coverage situations at St. Thomas Aquinas to tell you that he can or can't do it. But theoretically, yeah, uh, I put it this way. He's going to play corner. He's going to be a slot defender. Now, how that works out 
is going to be determined by his development, about his physicality, whatever you want, whatever the, the important things are for Manny Diaz to see at that position. So length, I think, is the number one thing that I could point to and say he's not an outside corner in Penn State's current crop of corners. We've seen guys like John Reed and Grant Haley do it before where they're undersized guys with quickness. But Penn State has been bigger and longer for a couple of years now where they don't have to resort to that and, and not to besmirch those guys, but they were they were talented players that did very well in the slot. And that's where I think we're going to see a lot of King Mac. The question is, is he Lamont Wade, where he's playing that safety slot hybrid? He's coming down, playing in man coverage and then playing, you know, disguising that way. Or is he Daquan Hardy, where he's kind of a specific guy that can play in third down situations? Or here's another one. I like the way he's aggressive as a run defender. I like how nasty he is. He will thump people at five nine. If he can be big enough and defeat blocks, is the, is he part of that transition to a more safety-like player at that Sam linebacker instead of a guy like Tony Rojas? Like if you had both of those guys ready to go at the same time and you could pick between the two, would Rojas then start at will and you're playing guys like Dakari Nelson and King Mack at that Sam position because of their different but overlapping traits? So there's a couple of different ways that King Mac can go. And that's why I was so high on him because I could see him playing free safety. He's got the speed for that. And he's got some good ball skills. I could see him maybe not as a boundary safety in the box all the time, but he could fill a couple run gaps for sure. And then playing the run from the field, cleaning up screens, being an aggressive junkyard dog, trying to tackle guys before the play even starts. I can see that as well. So underneath coverage defender into the field side. It's just whatever his skill set develops into. So that's that's what I would say is how I see his future. I don't know that I see him as a corner because he's got all these other positive applications of his skills um, in the middle of the defense. But, I mean, one of the most valuable things is to play a corner that is a shutdown corner. If he shows that skill, sure. I think he's got the, the speed to, to make that happen as well. What I find interesting, too, is with Manny Diaz running this defense, I've used the expression it's a positionless team out there but it seems like let me just find what your best traits are and how I could best use them and it doesn't necessarily fall in the traditional this is your position this is what you do let's go to Dan and Berwick who says there's a lot of talk about the difficulty in finding the 300 pound one gap defensive tackle yet we seem to have little problem getting 300 pound offensive linemen what is there to prevent a guy like, say, Vega Ioane from becoming that answer at defensive tackle? You know, this is a great question and one that I have thought a little bit about. The guy that I think showed, first off, you have to be good at the, the position. And, and with Liam Andrews, who's kind of now become an athlete in his recruitment, uh, a guy that wants to play defensive tackle, but everyone sees as a high level potential NFL offensive tackle. There is that there is that gray area, and it's about what are you best at? What are your skills, your your particular skills that translate to uh, the field? I guess the the one thing I'd say about defense is, and this is a little bit underrated, is Penn State's not looking for the three hundred pound guy. They're looking for the defensive tackle that can run, rush the passer, aggressively get into gaps, and win off the snap with his first step. They're not looking for size. They're looking for the composite of skills to succeed. 
size is valuable, but not more valuable than athleticism. So they want complete football players. But those guys are rare. So you can find a 320-pound nose tackle that can two-gap and do all those things, but Penn State's not interested in those guys. That does not fit their defensive scheme. So finding, for example, a guy like Liam Andrews that has the aggressiveness, the length, the athleticism to play defensive tackle, and that's really what it is, is you want a guy have, have a guy who has a very high-level uh, athletic traits, and because as a defender, you have to react. You, you are not doing the one causing the action. You have to react to everything. So that quickness, that first step, all those things are, are what would lead you to an offensive uh, or defensive lineman over an offensive lineman. Anthony Donko is another guy that, that had really good defensive tackle film, but offensive tackle is more valuable. Penn State wants to have a good offensive line. They've put in a lot of resources to get guys that are good along the offensive line. I think his instincts right now are still guard, but um, he had 6'5 length, all of those things to make him a tackle prospect. And Pense desperately needs those because they're vi- just like those those prime defensive tackles. Offensive tackles are more rare and the quarterback is more valuable. So we're going to protect him. And that's really what it comes down to is the, the, the value of offense or defense kind of comes down to quarterback scoring points, in my opinion. If I could sum up what you had to say, size is important but it's not necessarily the most important thing. And you yep. can take that any way you like, T. Frank. Let's move on. Let's get to... <laughs> Amen. Let's move on, all right? Let's get to Tony in Philadelphia. Tony says, uh, T. Frank, do you think the relative weakness of the Penn State defensive tackles will be the difference in the game against the offense of the Delaware Blue Hens? Oh, just, wow. He just, just, I almost... <laughs> he does follow that up with, just kidding. Okay, so here's Tony's real question. I've often heard you describe outstanding characteristics of recruits. For example, you described a defensive lineman last week as having long arms. Can you provide the top things that you look for, say, in defensive linemen or linebackers or cornerbacks or even offensive linemen? And if you could provide a Penn State player, past or present, who's an example of those characteristics? So I think the thing I look for the most is um, no flaws athletically. So one of the let, let me stick in the defensive trenches here, offensive trenches, and, and talk about a super underrated thing, and that is flexibility, hip flexibility and mobility. Because football is not a linear sport; it is a three dimensional game. And like I just said, defensive tackles have to adjust; they have to chase; they have to change direction. And if you've got a guy that is super linear and is stiff and turns like a cruise ship, you are not, you are not maximizing your ability to prevent plays. So he may be good at a bunch of other things that you can use and accentuate, but there is that flaw. There is that, that cap on what he is. So from offensive linemen, defensive linemen, really receivers, we can make the same conversation. Peter Gonzalez, one of the areas I want to see him improve in coming off his knee injury is his hips are a little bit tight, linear, fast, explosive, can jump. Can he create separation um, on those intermediate routes to become a complete receiver? That's what I want to know about corners. Can they turn and run? So to me, it's all about the hips. It's all about hip flexibility and mobility. Um, Understanding that speed, size, strength are going to be the things that are checked off that before you get to that. So now we're separating the wheat from the chaff, right? Of Here are all the guys that are big enough and fast enough to play at Penn State. How many of these guys have a weakness and a complete profile in that area? And to me, that's where 
Abdul Carter and some of these guys that we've seen come in that have no physical weaknesses. They have no obvious flaws in their game. That's when I get excited. When I see guys that I think have the projectional ability to be a complete player. So to me, when you check off all the prerequisites, I'm looking for mobility and flexibility in the hips. Okay, let's go to Steve in Potomac who says, there appears to be an abundance of talent at tight end and a shortage at wide receiver. Do you see more two and maybe three tight end sets at least to start the season? I don't know the answer to this yet. Uh, that's the that's the million dollar question. I would say from Penn State and what they want to do, it's all about generating explosive plays. And to me, the best way to generate explosive plays is not to bring guys into the box. It's to spread the field and use the full 53 and a third of lateral field and have incredible threats at each of those positions. So if you're asking me what I would do in, in the theoretical best practices, it's three receivers. Having three receivers that threaten out to the field with screens, having um, a running back that has the explosive ability to find those creases when you move those chess pieces around the field. So talking about uh, who you play at that same linebacker position, are you more concerned about stopping the run or are you more concerned about stopping bubble screens and coverage and things like that and doing different flexible things in coverage with that ability for, with that player's ability? That's what's determining who's playing that field linebacker position. Is it a safety type body? Is it a defensive end type body that is a converted linebacker in, in college? That's kind of what you're making these decisions about because you have to pick your poison in college. There's too much lateral field when it's you're you're on you're on the far hash. So I would say having three receivers, Nick Singleton being explosive and having a good offensive line, you that is really hard to defend. If you throw in an occasional run by the quarterback, the def the defense is in a no-win situation. When you bring in two tight ends, you condense the formation. You allow those guys in the middle to take over more variance, less space. And then you're trying to create space on the outside. So I would say three receiver. Very good, T. Frank. That's it for quarter three. Stick around. Start a quarter four. T. Frank will name our winner. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. 
We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim, he's T. Frank, and this is quarter number four. First order of business, T. Frank. We need a winner from our Ask T. Frank segment. Uh, a lot of great questions. I want to I wanna highlight uh, Tony. Awesome question. Dan, you know, the, the difference between offense and defense, not just hitting the same question about defensive tackles the way we've done before. A lot of really great questions. Steve had a great question. But Mike and Carlisle just went that extra step of having information, specific uh, 100-meter times for King Mac. It's hard to, to beat preparation in my book. So Mike and Carlisle is our winner today. Very good, Mike. You get rewarded for preparation. Let's move on. T. Frank, we have been going over your series of analyzing the position groups for Penn State. We're finishing up on the defense. We hit every other spot except defensive tackle. And Ooh. along with wide receiver, yeah, this is one of those positions. Well, we saw it in our Ask T. Frank segment. People were asking about you know, the defensive tackles. And it's interesting, a year ago, you had P.J. Mustafer coming off of injury, hoping that he would be solid again. And I'll put a bunch of other guys that you weren't sure what you were going to get from them. This yeah. year, P.J. Mustafer has moved on. And I feel like we got a bunch of guys. I feel good about the depth that there's a lot of guys there, but I'm not sure we have lead guys there. Yeah, that's a fair way to put it. You know, that bunch of guys is a year older, bigger, more experienced, more uh, in tune with what Manny Diaz wants to do. So the hope here is in the masses. Um, but Keziah Izzard is and has been for a long time a guy that can be a lead guy. You know, it's just been a bit of a journey with Izzard where Misses the first four games of the season last year. He's a young guy that got thrust into the lineup too early. So I think our opinion of him was shaded maybe improperly by that as a guy who was a uh, guy. He needed to grow into his frame and needed to grow into being a strong, aggressive defensive tackle. He's had that time. This would be his year to step into that role. So he just hasn't done it yet. And that does create uncertainty. I think even within me, a guy that I think I have been high on him his whole career and, and talking about somebody who I didn't see a lot of weaknesses in, in his profile originally, I think he can do it. And then the question becomes from the mental side of it, is he ready to be not just a consistent player that is on the field and not making a ton of mistakes, but is also making plays, you know, crossing that threshold between good and uh, very good or good and great. Um, then you look at some of the positive things you see from Hakeem Beeman. James Franklin has talked about Hakeem Beeman throughout his entire career because he's just been such a polarizing player. Again, a guy that maturity issues, he missed an entire season, uh, practice with Penn State football. We don't know any of the reasons why, but it, coach's decision that he didn't play, so I'm practicing with the team for the entire year. So what he's now it seems locked in 284 pounds doing the things he needs to off the field to be the best version of himself on the field. So the positivity comes from the soft skills here, not necessarily from the hard numbers of production size, things like that. You have to, you have to dig a little deeper into the 
off the field, things that are hard to quantify, which is always a frustrating thing uh, about whether or not you're going to get what you expect out of those guys. You mentioned Akeem Beeman and some of the maturity issues, but the other part of the equation with him is he's always seemed a bit undersized. And every time James Franklin has talked about players thinking they're Aaron Donald and don't need to be bigger, I think he's talking directly to Akeem Beeman. This is the first time around, I think you mentioned he's reached 280-something now. Mm -hmm. Was his lack of size an issue last year? And do you think the size difference, him putting on that weight, will make him that much better a player this year? Yes. Um, It's always better to be bigger when the weight is good. Having seen him in person, he looked like he uh, ate the old Hakeem Beeman. And... Uh, then you double the size. So like filled out really well, expressive muscle in all the areas that you want it. And that is what he has to maintain for the season as a guy. And this is the thing is like, it's not all his fault, his genetics. He just doesn't put on weight and keep it on the same way other guys do. So he has to be extra attentive to his diet. He has to be extra attentive to his sleep and his progression and all those things, as opposed to a guy who's naturally a little fluffy who then has to worry about like making sure that all of that weight is muscle. So it's not like he is just derelicting his duties. He's just, he's just built a little bit different um, in, in that sense. So it does matter. I go back to watching some of the plays against Michigan. And if you wanted to say Penn State got beat up front, there was a couple of positions where that happened. Linebacker and sometimes Beeman didn't win his gap where he was not where he needed to be. But it wasn't an outright loss. He was just not in perfect position, so he tried to use his quickness to win, but he took himself out of his gap by doing that. Tried to go backdoor, tried to win with agility and athleticism. So let's let's replay this. He's 285 pounds now. Does Is he now in position? Because he had the strength to fight through that good block from the Michigan left guard. And now he doesn't have to try and find a different way to win. He's not pressed. Yes, that can make a difference. We're talking about a, a collection of six or seven plays in a game. Now, that six or seven plays could show up in each game this season, but does it show up in 20 plays? You know, I think the, the added benefits of his ability to win can create more positive plays with, with more strength. But if we're talking about being in position, stopping the run, um, making it so we don't have to talk about this anymore, which would be great. Uh, yes, it does give him the opportunity to do that this year. So it is... Better to be bigger and to have that weight be good weight. And he has done that. Um, But is it the defining thing? No, it's not the defining thing about Hakeem Beeman. It's part of his his athletic profile. Uh, T. Frank, we always need something to talk about or we'll be out of jobs. I want to ask you about (laughs) another guy who I know is a personal favorite of yours, and that's Jordan Vandenberg, who we, we hear that he's the strongest guy on the team. Those videos been floating around the internet. I think even James Franklin posted one of them and called him maybe the most improved player on the team. What do you expect from him? Uh, we're back on the Jordan Vandenberg train. Choo-choo! I'm excited <laughs> for this. Um, yeah, all of this matters. So, again, a guy who, if you're looking at what, one of the reasons I've been so high on Jordan Vandenberg, just replay the last segment. Great hips great athleticism, great explosiveness, and a big frame. He was always capable of doing these things and getting to this point, and he's done it. 
So what does he not have? He doesn't have great arm length. He doesn't have that reach to then engage and win before uh, the, the offensive lineman can react. But he's got all the other skills now. So can he overcome that? Yes, he can overcome that. Is there a ceiling on him because of that? Sure, but he's he's reaching the maximum of his potential. And from a mental perspective, if James Franklin is saying he's the, one of the most improved players in the program, it's not just about being able to lift. It's about all of it. So yeah, I expect, I've expected Jordan Vandenberg to be a part of the rotation um, at some point in his career. He was a young player. We know he's coming from South Africa, didn't have the extensive experience in football that a lot of other guys do, but he has now. He has been in the program long enough that it's time for him to make an impact if he's going to. This year, um, that big, physical, aggressive nose tackle, I don't. his game is not clogging up two running lanes. His game can be being the most obnoxious run defender that gets into the gap and can hold up the point of attack and can stop zone schemes in their tracks. He has the strength and the athleticism to do that. It's just the consistency with which he's doing that on a regular basis and does he meet those elite players? Because Penn State is going to play elite interior offensive linemen. And does his relative weaknesses compared to those guys that don't have any, and does his mental makeup and his ability to play uh, from a, a mental standpoint, does, does that overcome some of the talent gap that he has between some other guys? And I think he can do that more times than not. I think he's a part of this conversation as a defensive tackle because we've seen enough this offseason to warrant that that's a, that's a, a solid yes and if James Franklin is signing off on that, it's never 100% guaranteed, by the way. But that's another that's another tick in the positive column in the pro-con list of Jordan Vandenberg. We've already hit Kaziah Izzard, Akeem Beeman, Jordan Vandenberg, a couple other relevant names, Devon Ellis, Zane Durant. Where do you want to go with them, T. Frank? Let's go with Zane Durant because he's just a curious figure in all of this. Of He and Hakeem Beeman have similar skill sets. Um, you look at Beeman as a... As a unknown but known quantity and then zane durant is the ever popular positive upside you know durant is squatty six foot tall and 285 pounds at this point or 280 pounds so he's going to be a player you know how much is he going to be a player on rundowns how much is he going to be a player uh in the rotation i expect him to be eventually like a co-starter with beeman or however they they want to divvy up the the defensive tackle snaps and left right designations uh i think he can be an impact player, but again, like who's, who's better than who right now? Because I just extolled all the virtues of, of Jordan Vandenberg said that cause I, is can be a lead guy? So there's two guys. Devon Ellis is going to be a part of the rotation. He's a veteran. He is, if there is a nose tackle, a one technique, he is that guy. Another guy who's gotten positive praise from James Franklin. Uh, we've been hearing great things about him. So there's four Durant is a part of that. How does this shake out in camp? Like this is the, this is the camp battle. We're going to have to find out of, how many reps does each guy win and how much do they deserve to be in the game? And Durant is obviously on that list of guys that have to be on the field, but how much? And that's really what we're talking about here is how much does each guy get to play? Because just going back to Vandenberg, he played last year early because Izzard sat. Then Izzard came back and he got bumped down in the rotation. He didn't force his way into the rotation with his play at the beginning of the year. What happens now when they're all available? Is Caleb artist part of the equation for this season and here i was talking about all these guys and i forgot about caleb artist absolutely yes you know another guy that's had positive development from a mental perspective he was a very raw prospect coming out of um high school and a guy that i said you know we look at the the track record of these guys jordan vandenberg took about two and a half three years to be a part of the conversation 
Kaziah Izzard, he's now in his fourth year. Year two for a defensive tackle, that's a big ask. That's why Zane Durant being a part of it year one was such a big deal. So these two guys in the class of 2022 being ahead of schedule from that position is a rarity. And artist with his size is going to be a part of the conversation. Again, I just don't know how much like has Jordan Vandenberg lapped him because he's uh, come up with, uh, you know, all this physical strength and his development. He's ahead of him on the curve. He's going to play. But how do the how in the first month of the season or however long it is, how do those reps shake out? That's there's six guys. We're going to find out who is going to be the top four real quick, better or worse. Better. I, I think the progression from a physical and mental standpoint for this group, the talent is clear. It's just they've got to apply it. And I think this year they're going to be able to do that, be better than an average group, which is what they were last year. Very good. That's the last word, T. Frank. Thank you all for joining us. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.